and welcome back guys to let's talk sports here today back with my man justin from 613 sports thanks What's again up, for coming no worries no worries thanks for joining me on my on my podcast last week that's right if you guys didn't get a chance please check out justin's podcast 613 sports that's capital s and a zero for the o uh, so me and him oh, touched base on, on a do few it with a, You got to do it with a better flow than that. It's a 613 you know sports with a zero for the O and a Z at the end, my there friend. There you go. There you go. Listen, that's why you do the branding. <laughs> but uh, thanks again for coming, man, on on uh, on your podcast. I know we touched base on the new baseball rules. And uh, what else did we talk about? Uh, well, we had that little debate about uh, about the CFL, and there's actually one other debate I want to talk. Uh, I want to touch base on with you as well, closer to the end of this. All event. right, I, so, I got I got one for you this time. Okay, that's gonna be good. Uh, so on the agenda today, we're gonna touch base on this uh, great interview, Eric, Eric. Uh, Eric Macromello. Macromello. I always mess up his name. Yeah. So host of Me too. Actually, I'm actually surprised I'm actually able to, <laughs> to actually pronounce it. Sorry. Eric, if you're Macromella, if you're listening to this podcast, I do apologize for butchering your name several times. <laughs> Our apologies there. But Eric is the host of uh, the Offside podcast on TSN 1200. And yesterday he had on a great guest, Dr. Leonard Zakowski. Yeah, Zakowski. Author of six books. Uh, he's uh, held over 300 presentations. The man is a pioneer in sports psychology and sports science, uh, really focusing on uh, cognitive neuroscience and sports performance. So it was a really fascinating interview. Um, he's also the author of a book called The Playmaker's Advantage. Just came out, too. Just that's came right. Out. Where he's really touching base on uh, decision-making abilities and really kind of debunking the the whole the, the whole myth of God-given talent exactly. versus bre- breeding versus uh, birth. That's right. So, talking about innate talent versus uh, talent that are acquired through time. Um, so, let me start with you, Justin. What you what what really uh, what really caught your eye or caught your ear? I guess I should say <laughs> in in that interview. So, one of the big things that uh, that really caught my ear in this is that well, well first of all, um, as you might not know. Um, I actually studied uh, in the states for. Uh, well, I went to college in the states and I studied sports science. Sports science with a minor in psychology. This was actually a, a field that I actually wanted to go into. So hearing one of the pioneers actually, and actually one of the authors of several of my textbooks, in an interview like that was just ear opening. Very good. Um, especially with uh, with some of the messages that he was. Um, he was saying, and it brought me back to thinking about when I was a kid and growing up in sports and what drove me to playing baseball and going into baseball is essentially what he what he had pointed out is that coaches not just saying what not to do, but asking the asking the kids what why did you do it? Not exactly. what not to, but why did you do this? Why did you think that this was the right play in this situation? So to and, and getting the getting these young athletes to really break down each situation and each play to get a better understanding of what happens in a game and what really to think about so that next time that situation comes up, they've already had that thought process and already had that experience from failing on a previous a previous thing and getting the cognitive ability to think on, on their own as to what they're going to do next. Yeah, you know it's it's interesting because I know you guys can't see us, but as we were saying, I was like pointing at you just to say that's a those are some of the key points that I really that really stuck to me, right? And like you were talking about, right? So when when kids were failing, one of the things that he was recommending that coaches do is question the kids, not just tell them what to do, but questioning them, which would help, like you said, their cognitive function to not only recognize, but to be able to make better decisions if they find themselves in that situation. Challenge, challenge the kids' mental speed. Exactly. Is, is how he put it, actually. It's Very good the point. mental speed. And the one thing that, I was, that, that leads me to what I was about to say is one of the drills that he was explaining that one of the coaches would do is it would make the kids run drills at super high speed. And even if they would fall, it would tell them to get back up and keep going. Because what it would do is it would force your brain. It really, it literally would train your brain to work at a faster pace. So yep. in the game, if it does happen at that speed, you've already been trained. You already know. You already anticipate Meaningful what's going to happen. 
Exactly. So that was a really interesting thing. And, you know, for my listeners, they know that I, I coach kids as well. And I took a lot from there where really, because a lot of times what happens is us as coaches, we try to relay our knowledge to the kids and just pretty much tell them how to do. But really the point that he was making, questioning them to make them realize some of the things that were happening so they could then make better decisions. I think that's a very important thing. And that's something I'm going to take away from this. Teach them the skill. Let them figure out the rest. Exactly. That's 100% right. And I think that that happens a lot of times, right? I think as a coach, sometimes you find yourself being more of a director. You're directing traffic. You're directing, you know, positioning. And a lot of times we we almost forget about teaching the kids, about the kids getting the opportunity to really learn from their mistake in order to make better decision-making ability. He touched on... Uh, Eric Eric uh, Macromello talk about Wayne Gretzky, one of those that's seen as, you know, four eyes, four exactly. eyes on the back of their heads. God-given he, talent even, to play hockey. Crosby and, right. and doing the same yeah. thing and really getting, um, being able to see the ice or, or view it. And again, both of these, these guys that we're talking are huge baseball fans. So they did touch a little bit on some baseball players as well. And they, man, and, um, Dr. Tarkowski also mentioned that he he interviewed Derek Jeter a lot That's right. when it came when it came down to his, his book when he was researching for his on his book for Playmaker's Advantage, um, and getting his opinion on everything and there and I agreed with them on one thing that when you're looking at the psychology of sport and looking at the mental process and the decision making and the quick thinking that it comes to it, a pro baseball player is probably one of the best players to take a look at. Because they have point, they have a third, a third, third of, a of a second, second to make that to decision. make that decision and to think whether it's a ball or a strike, yeah. whether it's a fastball, curveball, changeup, a and slider, and then for them to react and then to make the proper the proper decision. So really, like you said, I completely agree with you, especially baseball. I mean, um, I don't know how true that is, but someone says one of the hardest thing in sports is to hit a baseball. Especially like a, a really, base- really, you're gonna you're gonna you're bring Listen, that up right now. I'm just saying, but what I mean is. You look at some of those pitchers pitching the ball at extremely high speed, and the time that it takes for you to recognize, he was talking about Derek Jeter, how mm-hmm. Derek Jeter would recognize something in the pitcher's, uh, whether it be his, uh, his body language, and from there, the small amount of time that he had just to react in order to make the perfect hit on the ball, it really talks a lot about the quickness not the quickness, but the ability to make decisions is just a very short amount exactly. of time. Exactly, and there's one other player that they mentioned as well is Tony Gwynn. Um, I'm not sure if you're if you're too versed on Tony Gwynn, but Tony Gwynn was one of the greatest hitters of all time. Nice. Um, rarely struck out. You talk about you talk about like uh, players nowadays that are either strikeout or home runs. This guy was stri- like you're not strike you're not striking me wow. out. He's going up to the plate with a plan, not striking out. Here's here's a stat for your, for your listeners a little bit. Um, Tony Gwynn faced Pedro Martinez, John Smoltz, Tom Gravins, and Craig Maddox. Uh, four all-stars. Four of the greatest. You, you probably have about, uh, between the four of them, about maybe 15 Cy Youngs right there. Damn. Um, over 10,000 strikeouts right there. He only he faced them 323 times in his career. And? You know how many times he struck out? You got a feeling it's going to be less than two. Three times. Uh, it was a little off. Of four, of four pitchers. And how three many times? Three hundred. Uh, three hundred and twenty-three oh. at bats. Man, that's a, that's that's less than one percent. That's impressive. That's really impressive. Yeah, you're talking. Mind you, we're also talking we'll talk about that. Tony Gwynn that in his career, I think only had about one hundred and fifty strikeouts. Goddamn. Now that's really impressive, and especially you're talking him going against elite pitchers. That's great decision making uh, right there, and I think it really touches on that. And one of the things that he touched on was also, you know, for my listeners, they know how much of a Patriots fan I am, Tom Brady, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and the reason I say this is you see Tom Brady on the field and really, it's really his ability to see the field differently yeah. than most other players and also his decision-making and the reaction time. And those were the three things that he was really focused on when he talks about that playmaking ability. Mm-hmm. And those are really the three things, whether it's a court, whether it's a field, whatever it is, the ability to see the field differently. When I think of that, I think of a guy like Magic Johnson, yeah. right? Magic Johnson's not the first to come with a no-look pass. Like if you do if you do your, your homework and look at the history of the NBA, this has been it's going on since forever, the 60s, forever. since since the beginning of, of basketball. But 
there was something different. That's why we call it magic. There was a little, there's more panache, more pizzazz when exactly, he did it. Exactly. But at the same time, when you watch him play, you could tell that he sees the court differently and his ability to make the right decision, to make the right pass and to do it in sort of short amount of time, has the running or fast break really shows you the, the greatness of it. But the big thing that he was really focused on, and we talked about it at the beginning, none of this is boring, right? The, yeah. The, the, there's one thing that really caught me off guard, though. He talked about the myth of the athlete gene. And as much as I I agree with him, yeah. but, I mean, listen, I'm a, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a MMA fan. I watch the UFC. I don't know if you watch much of it, but there are certain guys, like, I'm sorry. If you look at Nigerians and Cubans, yeah. I don't know what's in the water there. Maybe it's right. Maybe it's not a human gene, but maybe it's some chemicals in some of the yeah. stuff that they are taking physical ability versus the versus the quote-unquote athlete gene is something completely different that's because fair your point. physical that's ability is genetic but the quote-unquote athlete gene that he's talking about um that that there is something that hasn't really been proven no no that's true i and think the yeah, point that i was making with that is the athlete gene not looking at it as just physical ability because mm-hmm. i think one of the points he was also making the athlete gene is having the uh, how do I say the inaptitude to be good at a sport? Exactly. Right? So going back to my point, so of course you look at some of these guys that I met, well, some of those countries that I mentioned, and you see, man, you do see a lot of like you like amazing specimens as far as uh, physical traits in some of these guys. But it is very true and it's very interesting. You even mentioned Wade Gretzky, how people ask Wade Gretzky how you know four eyes like. He must have been born with that, and he said absolutely not. And he credited exactly. That's what he said. His dad taught him how to how to think on his feet, how to think on the ice, how to properly see the ice. That's true. And come up with the proper decision. He, Walter Gretzky was one of the great is one of the greatest coaches for young athletes because he does exactly what we were talking about. He doesn't tell athletes. He doesn't tell his kids what to do. He asks them. What? why they did it exactly yeah no it's a you know it was really fascinating really fascinating and i think the most important thing out of this is really you look at what a lot of teams look at right when it comes to uh when it comes to drafting mm-hmm. when it comes to drafts and we we were talking about this before we got on air right what happens when you look at the nfl draft they're measuring speed size strength right well, but, but the, they're also measuring uh quote unquote the IQ but the truth is I mean are they really they're not really measuring. they're not they're not really measuring it because they're using an outdated test they're right? using a test that was created in the 30s and that's the problem right because the thing is when you look at all the things that they check at the combine none of it really accounts for winning ability no right you look at a guy like Tom Brady who till this day probably will be one of the worst performers at the combine but yet you can't deny that when you look at him on the field, you look at the decision he's making. And the truth is, if you guys do your homework and you go back in his college days, Tom Brady showed those same, same abilities, those same, same winning abilities. abilities and right? why, why do you th- why do you think the Expos drafted him in the first round as a catcher? Expos? Yeah, the Expos drafted no the Expos drafted Tom Brady in the I first no round clue. as a catcher, but then uh, the Patriots drafted him. And, and he, made the uh, decision. He, he made the decision to go football instead of baseball. Best decision in his life, right? But, uh, you know, it's interesting. As we were talking about it, I thought about her last, our, our last podcast and what we were talking about, Serena Williams, right? Yeah. And the thing is, as much as, as much as this falls into it as well, if you look at just like you were talking about Walter Gretzky, right? Having taught these kids so early, right? Having uh, questioned them about those different situations, about what would you do in that situation? Why are you doing so? It's something that sticks with you, and as a kid, it forms the way you look at the yeah. game, which makes it even more. It makes it even easier when you're out there on the court, on the ice, on the field, whatever it is, competing with uh, with high level athletes. Exactly. Um, I put this question out to you right now. Other than Tom Brady and Sidney Crosby that have been mentioned in yeah. the in the episode, in, uh, that's right. Do you have a player in one player from each sport? I know you. I know you're not a big hockey guy or baseball guy, so well, I'll, I'll leave those. No, I got those. a hockey guy for you. That's why I'm saying not not Crosby because he was mentioned in, that's true. in that's the episode, fair. right? That's fair. Yep. So I'm gonna go with your two sports: football okay. and and basketball. Yeah. Can you name one guy 
that that falls but under let that. me just ask you this current or just overall or current current, current. Um, so really good point. So if we go with uh, football, Tom Brady was mentioned. Uh, I can't help but look at a guy like Aaron Rodgers. You look at Aaron Rodgers, although a lot of it is athleticism, but man, the, listen, the decision making that this guy makes with a terrible offensive line, with terrible quarterback coaching, terrible head coach, uh, okay. uh, mediocre defense. Okay. For and those of you, no name receivers. You guys can't see me. I was giving him a face, like really, really, oh, no, Rogers. No, right, but I have to say it because the truth is, yeah. look at what he's doing it with, and that's why I give Aaron Rodgers a lot of credit. And the truth is, I'll say this: if it wasn't for the rings, I don't. There may not be a debate who's the greatest quarterback right now because Aaron Rodgers, talent wise, is amazing. But I'm not looking at the talent or the athleticism. I'm really looking at the decision making, the playmaking ability. Which is why, like which is why Brady would be. Which is why Brady is the goat. Of course, one hundred percent. Which was with that. I hate saying this because it's Tom Brady, but Brady is the goat. Is the goat because mm-hmm. of exactly what we're talking about, right? And also, he's forty-one years old, and he's still winning football. He's still marching down the field like 100%. if he was twenty, like Patrick Mahomes at twenty-three. And you know what's impressive about Brady is go back in his career. Has Tom Brady ever lost 40 to 40 to 10? Never. Because no. Brady just doesn't allow these things to happen. No. And a lot of it, yeah, you can say it's great coaching, it's great this, but at the end of the day, you gotta put the ball in somebody's hand and they gotta go out there and march you know their team down the field. You know what I noticed? Whenever whenever the Patriots defense is struggling, Brady takes his time marching down the field. He knows his defense is struggling, so he will make the other defense stay on the field. That's right. If he too. knows his defense is is golden, he'll try and throw those deep passes. He'll try and make those those big uh, miraculous right. plays because yep. he knows his defense is going to pick him up. And this is all the understanding of the game, all that IQ that we're talking about uh, that really comes into play. I'm trying to think of uh, of uh, maybe just another position. And you know one guy I can think of. Well, I know I know it's not current, but Troy Polamalu, right? And on I know the defensive I, side, yes. on the defensive side. And again, it's the decision making ability. We know he's a great athlete. We know he can jump, however but high. But being able to to read a play like he is, be able to anticipate, to, those, anticipate the, those throws, anticipate where a receiver is going to be, where a quarterback is going to place it. You remember his memorable plays when he hops over oh, the, off the line. My oh God. my God! Where oh I. Oh, that's this has great. to be this that's has to be great. one of the greatest top five football plays ever, of all time, ever, all time. It's like, just something. Whew, it's amazing. And but like Charles Palomar is just one of these athletes you just cannot hate. You have nothing no. bad to say like, about. Like who who thinks of doing that? That right? is not a drawn up play. <laughs> There's no way, no way. But again, just the sheer. Weren't they on the goal line too for that? Uh, the, well, you know what's funny? He's done it more than once. Yeah, he's actually done it more than once. Uh, not exactly on the goal line, but pretty close in the red, I'm, I'm in the red about, zone. I'm talking about the big, one, the big one that that won them the Super Bowl. Oh, oh, yes, that I believe, that I believe he did. But man, just the sheer sports IQ, understanding of the game, understanding the risk that he was taking, and what the potential reward was, and not just that anticip the anticipation piece is what's amazing because mm-hmm. you know football when it comes to hiding the ball, it's all about timing, yeah. right? Half a second too early, he gets called for he gets called for offside and. And then he pretty much gives the first down to the other team. Yeah. Right. But again, he's understanding in the game, anticipating that count, that uh, that hut count, and then for him to make that play is just yeah. something amazing. But if I go to, uh, so if we talk about basketball, um, I mean, you know, I gotta go the obvious. You got a guy like LeBron James. Yeah. Like, there's no other way you can say it. You know, I'll even go as far as to say a guy like Chris Paul. Uh, because listen, I understand he struggled this year. I don't put any of it on him. I put it more in the system and mm-hmm. the player he had to play. He play, he played with. But when you really look at Chris Paul's overall game, the understanding as I mean, the guy is the smallest man on the court almost every time. Yet it's not just the heart, but the intelligence that he shows, uh, his understanding of the game, seeing the court, his court vision is just something that's pretty much you know just uh, just one of a kind, one of a kind. And you know, I'll add to that. Uh, we can even add to that soccer, and I look at a guy like Lionel Messi, or even a guy like uh, Modric from uh, Czech Republic. I'd even, I'd, I'd even put Mbappe in there. I I, I got to completely disagree with you. Mbappe is sheer athleticism. I mean, no disrespect to Mbappe, mm-hmm. but you watch his game. There's nothing in his game that tells me that he has great understanding of of the of the field. Mbappe is not a playmaker; he's a scorer. 
That's that's the that's difference. Fair. You look at a guy like Messi, like Zidane, like Zidane for 100%. example, or Henri, for example. Zidane is a perfect example. Except right? for the headbutt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, that that headbutt hurts me, man. Because oh man, I really I'm a wanted a French supporter. I'm a big French supporter, and I, was I just wanted Zidane them to win that. Year. And when when that happened, that just. You know what's funny? I don't blame Zidane for that. I've been I was tra- actually in Paris when that happened. Ooh, that's got. Oh, how was that? How how did they take that? Uh, well, no, no, sorry, I, not the head, but I meant losing that game, that finals. I was still in my room for oh, the rest okay. of the day. I was oh. in, the, in my hotel room for the rest of the day because I was afraid to go outside. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and you know what's funny? I don't even blame Zidane for this. I blame Trezeguet for missing that fucking penalty. Yeah. Like, sorry for cussing, but I'm missing that penalty. It really got on my. I couldn't believe. How do you completely miss the net in a crucial moment like this? And part of me also blames the coach because I feel like, listen, you're in overtime. Why take Thierry Henry off? That right, but we're 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 getting off topic right now. <laughs> we're we're going into into. But let me ask you. Let me ago. ask you the questions though. You, if you had to go, uh, let's let me take it on your two sports, baseball and hockey. Who would you say embodies? So first of all, I'm going to go into football for a little bit. Okay. Because there is one player that you did not mention that uh, that I think that we mentioned a little bit off air before we started yeah. recording, and that's Patrick Mahomes. Good point. Um, now there's a lot of debate between Baker and Pat and Mahomes on who is the next up and coming, uh, superstar, um, in the league, uh, which I think is a great thing for football. We were talking uh, last week about, uh, the NBA and how it's entering the golden age with all the stars, uh, that they're, that they're getting right now. And NFL is getting in the same position right now with their quarterback situation with Mahomes and Baker and, I believe there's another big kid coming up next in next year's draft that uh, uh, Kyler Murray. Yeah, Kyler Murray. Um, so I'm from what I've seen from Mahomes. I mean, I draft Kelsey every year as my tight end. He's my keeper uh, in tight end. Not a bad choice. Um, and so I follow Mahomes a little bit as I watch mm-hmm. Kelsey. Um, don't get me wrong, Kelsey's not getting the ball as much because there's a lot more deep deep throws uh, yeah, right now, in the, especially with Mahomes' arm. Um, but I mean. Can I ask you something? I feel like when we talk this, it's the same thing as uh, as I was saying when you uh, when you were when you were uh, mentioning uh, what's his name. I, I I look at Mahomes and I see more athleticism, and I mean no disrespect to him. I just think having a head coach like Andy Reid who really simplifies the game for you as a quarterback, mm-hmm. and you look at his ability to run, his ability to get away from the pressure, and his arm, his strong arm. I just and this is my thing. I think we're just too quick to really crown we Mahomes are. the next. We are. Right? We are. I, I agree with you. It's it's the same thing with Baker Mayfield. It's too quick to, to judge right now um, after being in the league for one season. Yeah, I agree. Um, we'll see what happens this year after Mah- after Mahomes went to uh, the AFC Championship. Yeah. Lost to the Patriots. Again, um, I mean, who doesn't lose to the Patriots? But we'll see, we'll see how he bounces back this year, right? Sophomore year, we'll see if he breaks the sophomore curse. That's right. So a lot of expectations. Um, what about the for so for my sports? For yeah. my sports here. Um, for baseball, there's a lot of debate when it comes to between uh, Bryce Harper and Mike Trout. Yeah, I had a feeling Mike um, Trout would come up. So to me, when I look when I look at at the pure baseball IQ and everything, I have to give it to Mike Trout. Because it's simple. You, no one shifts on him. No one runs on him. He gunned the guy out on a hose <laughs> uh, earlier this week. I actually touched on it in my podcast a few days ago. Um, and he's got power. He hits for contact. He hits in big situations. So to me... Oh, and don't forget the fact that he's got he's got speed and he's got range in the outfield. He's a true five tool athlete, and he's a football pl- and he's a he grew up as a football player as well. Full five tool athlete, and the IQ he has on the field to know when when to move, when to when to hit, when when's a good time. Like the fact of the matter is, the guy's a the guy's a complete athlete. hundred, yeah. So to me, Mike Trout beats out. Bryce Harper. I've seen Bryce Harper in person play when I was at the Perfect Game World Series when I was in uh, my senior year of high school. It, I was starstruck, yes. <laughs> but again, uh, between the two ears, uh, might not be all there. So you, so you think that what we're talking about, right? That decision making ability, the uh, the, abil- the ability, the ability to play, the ability to break down a play, 
and hit the ball the other way, he doesn't have. He doesn't have. So we'll give it to Mike Trout. I agree. And and like like you said, they mentioned it on on uh, on Eric uh, Macromella's podcast, the offside. Sidney Crosby is is definitely Sidney Crosby is definitely the one that uh, that I would have to mark out in the NHL. I mean, it's simple. You saw it in the All Star game two years ago when McDavid versus Crosby in the accuracy shooting. Yeah, McDavid went up four for five and I think thirty three seconds. Crosby said, "Hold my beer." Went four for four <laughs> in twenty three seconds. You know, so that's that's the impressive thing. And listen. So, that Again, like I said, like we can't we can't mention Possibly. anybody that uh, <laughs> we can't mention anybody that was mentioned in the, in the yeah. episode. So, when it comes down to who I would pick um, in the NHL, it's very very tough on who I would choose. But I would have to go with Bergeron. So playmaking ability, we're talking playmaking playmaking ability. I would say Bergeron. I mean, he's underrated in my opinion. Um, the fact the fact of the matter is that he's able to make the he's he's not the most athletic athlete out there, but the fact that he's able to make everybody around him better, yeah, and able to see the ice better shows a better understanding of the game. Exactly, the, just a higher IQ, right? This so just uh, just going back on that, I feel the big thing that I got from that episode is really the importance for teams, for sports to change the way they start looking at recruiting and drafting to really put more emphasis on those intangible aspects. Little that, things. Exactly. The little things. The little watch, things don't, that make. Don't just watch the games, but go to practice. See what the kids are doing in exactly. practice. Exactly. And see exactly how we respond to our response to failure, our response to missing a pass, our response to missing a goal. And then these are the things that will make you realize, really. That's why I think the Patriots really got to steal. Because if you go back and look at Brady's time in college, uh, he was a backup quarterback. And just like in the Patriots, once he got his opportunity, he never looked back. No. But really, it's looking at what he did in the crucial moments, what he did to really win the games. And those are the things, those are the little things that you can't, you, no, well, you I mean, you can't. Well, no, the truth is, a, you can teach. That's the thing that they're talking about. Right? You can teach you that. You can teach that, and it's not those things that are actually innate. Because when you find a guy that's like six Zion foot, Williams, very for good example, foot. you look at a guy like Zion, like Zion in the NBA. I'm not sold on Zion, and all I see is sheer athleticism. I see no great understanding of the game. I see no court vision, and truthfully, I don't know if his career will have dimensional player. I completely agree. It's really straight brute force. Is really what we're seeing. So it will be interesting to see. He's like LeBron. He's like LeBron without the brains. That's a very good point. Because the thing is, if you look at LeBron in high school, uh, funny thing people don't realize the playmaking ability was there. We were just so caught up on this freak of nature, six foot seven, six foot fifty pounds that giant that was old. dunking on on sixteen years old. Although he was sixteen, but if you look at the, he was making no look passes, making his teammates better. While in high school, while they were winning, well, look at City, his first state year. and national championship. Look at Cleveland his first year. He made everybody on that mediocre team better. Right, and you continue to see it as he goes. He made J.R. Smith better. That's true. That's true. <laughs> and no one thought that was gonna happen. So moving on. Uh, so news that did come out. Forbes did release their list of the. Which ironically, Macromella didn't mention yesterday as that's well. That's true. That's true. Well, he kind of has to. He has no choice when you got. He's a lawyer, <laughs> and, he, and he writes for Forbes. So, oh, well, you see, we see the link right there. But yeah, Forbes uh, released their list: uh, fifty most valuable sports franchises, um, and of course, leading leading the pack for what is it? Three, four straight years. Fourth, fourth four straight year. years. The Dallas Cowboys. Jerry Jones must be very happy. Um, it's not very much of a surprise. The one thing that I give Jerry Jones a great marketer, and what is interesting is I always say this as delusional as those Dallas Cowboys fans are, they find a way to stay relevant and to stay in the media no matter what. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Before we get into Forbes, um, I just got uh, an update on uh, on the score um, for my listeners uh Knowing that I, how I feel about Marcus Stroman and everything, um, so the Blue Jays just released um, and have officially released um, that they've told teams that uh, they are not shopping Marcus Stroman mm. and are looking to offer him an extension. 
get a feeling. A long term extension. Get a feeling you're not too happy about this. <sighs> I love him as a pitcher. I don't like his character, <laughs> personally. That's all I'm going to say about it. I just want to mention that right now since that's that's breaking right now. So no I, I figured I'd uh, good thing because for a second I thought you were going to update us on the CFL, uh, the CFL score, and I was going to kick you off my podcast. Just joking. But uh, going back to the Forbes list, Dallas Cowboys with an evaluation of five billion dollars. I want to make one thing clear: this is Forbes evaluation. This is not necessarily no. true because a lot of times what we end up seeing is when teams end up selling, they end up selling for a lot more than what is yeah. estimated on Forbes yeah. list. So $5 billion, and one thing I want the listeners to understand that a lot of this evaluation is based on a few things, right? Of course, we look at jersey sales, but of course, they will look at the infrastructure, real estate deals, sponsorships, yeah. broadcasting deals, yeah. and of course, attendance, uh, attendance, and of course, overall, uh, how do I say, social media reach for these teams. Exactly. So again, as I mentioned, Dallas Cowboy finds a way to stay relevant. They got the biggest stadium, able to take the most, the most stands. So that's sheer revenue that comes in. Uh, Forbes has their operating income at $365 million, a million for each day of the year. Big sh- I got to give it. I gave it as much as I hate the Cowboy fans. Mm. Fans, Jerry Jones does a good job keeping them relevant. Let's hope some of our coworkers don't listen to this right here. <laughs> uh, listen. <laughs> they can come tell me what they really think about it. Uh, next up, though, one thing I do want to talk about, and I know – and I the, know the it one will I, hit the one you. I, the one I want to I want to actually Sorry, see right before, here. Before you go, I just have to tell you, look at the top 10. Did you oh, notice, yeah. did you notice many, the how number? Many, how many baseball teams were in exactly. there? Yeah, I did notice that. I noticed that. You've got the Yankees at two, which that's not surprising. The Steinbrenner family, absolutely, like I said in my last podcast. That's right. We talked about One this. of the greatest families. Um if if you were to if you were to take a, a poll as to who is the greatest architect. Uh, fair enough. Who's the great? Who's the greatest architect in all of sports? Probably top three greatest top sports three. families. I mean, of right. course, behind behind the uh, bus. And although it really shouldn't be the bus family, it really should be the late uh, great Jerry Bus. He's the one that really did. And their kids seem to not be able to do a single thing right, uh, which has the Lakers on that list as number eight. And you would think with the acquisition of LeBron James now with Anthony Davis and what the future I'm looks sure like, that's gonna go. Well. I, I'm sure they're gonna leapfrog a few a few teams uh, here. I can I could probably name a few here, like the Knicks, for example. <laughs> Actually, um, believe it or not, that's not gonna happen. The Knicks no, is another no. team yeah. where the Knicks rank at five with a valuation of four billion dollars. The Knicks are one of these teams where no matter how bad they are, yeah. the media giving so much attention. Oh, to it's them. MSG. It's it's MSG, right? Exactly. It's like the Rangers. It's it's MSG. You don't like even if you're having a bad season, they hype you up like crazy. Yeah, but you know it goes back to what I was saying. Interesting to see. We're looking at the list here, and we have what uh, three NBA teams in the in the top ten. We got one major league baseball team. Uh, no, actually, uh, I've got uh, two major league baseball. That's teams. true because the Dodgers are tied are, are tied at ten with the Giants. Uh, with $3.3 billion uh, of evaluation. And we have, what, four – how many NFL teams? One. So we got, the, of course, my New England Patriots at seven with $3.8 billion, And the Giants NFL, at ten. Uh, three NFL teams, yeah. Three NFL teams in there, two, two MLB teams, which is actually the first time um, in a very long time that two MLB teams, teams are in were the top in the top ten. 10. And, uh, of course, we got, what – Three, three soccer teams, respectively. Sorry, Real Madrid, Barcelona, can, can, and then United. Can we, can we put Real Madrid and Boston Red Sox in the same category? It is the same owner, after all. Is it really? I, I didn't even realize. Seriously? Yeah, but Boston, Boston, and uh, is it Madrid? Or, no, 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 no. Sorry, no, it's Man U. It's Man U. Sorry, it's Man U that he that he owns as well. So never mind. I uh, scratched that. I'm sorry, guys. I was giving you misinformation there. No, I gotta correct you. Man United owners are the Glazer family, and Real Madrid is. Uh, Club Clubs, yeah. So that's complete. Uh, so so that's different. Uh, what is really interesting that I'm noticing is, of course, the increase of NBA teams and not at the top at the yeah. top ten yeah. list. And it's just like we I've, talked about in your podcast, right? It's almost inevitable. It feels like the NBA is taking 
they really just got a head start on not only using social media, but using the whole global reach of the sport. And that's why you still see three soccer teams at the top. I remember growing up for years, Manchester United was number one on that list for years. And I'm talking for at least, what, five, six, if not 10-year run. And it was never even even at risk of losing of losing that ranking. But now you're seeing the Lakers. You're seeing the Knicks. And you're, you're, you know, you're seeing Golden State Warriors there. And I truly believe with this free agency we just had, we are going to see maybe a couple more teams. We're, we're probably going to see a little bit more climb up. Now, here's, a, here's an interesting thing, too, as well. Um, in the top 50 um, in 2018, uh, there's 29, 29 of the 31 teams or 32 teams in the NFL were in the top 50. Uh, this year's list comes down to 26. Yeah. Um, there's eight MLB teams in the top 50 last year, nine this year, uh, seven soccer teams last year, eight this year, six NBA teams last year, seven this seven year. this year. So the NFL is actually on a decline yeah. when it comes to the Forbes list. And am I wrong to think that a lot of it has to do with, of course, the celebrity in chief and his comments regarding the whole Colin Kaepernick uh, protest. Honestly, I have, a, I have a feeling that uh, that the political side of things is affecting the, the business Forbes, side. Is affecting the business side, um, especially. Like, I, I'm sorry, but when the like when the NFL went against Kaepernick, that was their that was the the start of their decline. Yeah, and not and now with more NFL more NFL teams. Uh, Owners really still coming up against him, right? And the, and what to you're, this day, and exactly. especially with now with Trump, and put, the, putting his piece in, and the, and the NFL teams are not going against them. It, that that you're just going to see a decline in the NFL. It's well, you, we say. heard a lot about people going out of their way to say that they will not be boycotting the NFL, and I'm sure that affects their bottom line, right? And it's part of the reason why we're seeing that impact on the, on the NFL on the Ford's list. Uh, and also, you what ends up happening is, I think a lot of players with the with the advance of, of medicine are realizing the real impact of CTE. Yeah, and I think that opens a lot of people's eyes. And believe it or not, I have some parents of the kids that coach said they won't let their kids watch football because they don't want that to influence them to want to play because they're scared to put them we, in there. We, we get to the point of coaching in that case too. It's is you gotta teach the kids how to hit. Listen, that doesn't change a thing. It's, I I hear this I hear this myth all the time. I agree because you know what? I remember when I used to play, they actually used to coach me. Put your head down and go helmet first. Yeah, this is not necessarily right. But one thing you got to understand, like it or not, yeah, we can teach people to tackle. Yes, it's going to reduce, but it doesn't change the reality of the risk that you, CTE you, is. In I agree sport. with you. I agree with you, and it's again bonehead of the week for this week. One more time is Gary <laughs> Bettman saying that that. <laughs> Head injuries have nothing to do with CTE. So Gary Bateman, the, the commissioner, commissioner of the, the NHL, the weasel as I call him. Um, but it comes down to look at look at other contact sports. You look at perfect example rugby. That's how it. many con- how many concussions happen in rugby? How many you you look you watch them you watch them play because they have no pads. You watch them how they do hits. It's textbook hits. That's you right. are going. Th- through the player. Yeah, and you're forced to really focus on the technique because if not, you can easily hurt yourself, right? And you it's can very hurt yourself more than you can hurt the, uh, the other person. And it's very impressive how there's less injuries in rugby than there is in football, right? But, uh, but going we're, back- we're getting, we're, again, we're getting off topic <laughs> here. Um, the one that really surprises me, to be honest, is Nora is the Saints at 50. Yeah. Like, you look at their operating income, it's at $150 million. Like you've got a you've got a team a story team like the New Orleans Saints with the team that they've had with Gurley uh not Gurley sorry with um with the Breeze with Breeze Kamara with, Kamara, with, with the story with the big names and the success that but you know had. but you know what the funny thing is I'm gonna be honest with you you're doing one of these things where we find ourselves prisoner at the moment the truth is you go back to the Hurricane Katrina. Where uh, the following year, where they won their Super Bowl, which yeah. was very inspirational, and it's almost like that image stuck to our brain, and we keep looking at the Saints as that team that has that potential. Although I agree, in the last year, well, even this year, they should be one of the favorites to yeah. come out of NFC. But the truth is, they haven't been a relevant team up until that point. And truth is, I'm sure they've been climbing up the ramps uh, up the ranks since. So 
it's it's one of these things that doesn't do shock th- me that much. What do you think of Houston at thirty eight? That's that's going to change the Rockets. Rockets that's oh, going to change next. That's year. definitely, and, and it's not even a question. It's next year. I think we're going to see that continue to at least their value continue to raise over the next four or five years. Yep. And the truth is, as much as long as James Harden stays there, that value is going to continue to go up. And then with and, Westbrook uh, uh, as well. And also with the uh, with the owner with the new owner that they have. Um, what's his name? Tillman Fertitta. He's really, he's really wants to win hard. And I think, of course, one thing you realize is once you win, that increases your evaluation yeah. a lot. And of course, it just makes it even a more attractive uh, destination. So I expect that to continue to raise. They got the now, value back, at two point three. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they were to sell if they would sell for four billion. Oh fuck yeah! Sorry for the language, but yeah. <laughs> um, now back on the Saints for a moment because they they're in the they're in the. Uh, in the in the threat of being removed from the uh, from the top fifty next 50, year, if right. the cli- depending on how the Clippers do this year, and that's a good point, man, because uh, the because Clippers not being Kawhi, on this list, with Kawhi and PG, it's almost inevitable. It's almost and also, inevitable that you got the up. richest, you got the richest owner, one of the richest owners in all of sports, in Steve Ballmer, the owner of the Clippers, and of course with them, just this per- this segue is perfect into our next segment where we're going to talk about the Clippers. The Clippers introducing Paul George and Kawhi Leonard just yesterday. What do you think and, of that presser by Kawhi? Um, by the way, is it me? Have we ever seen that much uh, personality from Kawhi? Never. Even Never. when Kawhi won the championship, he didn't show that much personality. Oh, no. But no. hey, it shows you shows you the power of coming home. I, lo- shows- I love I love how he started it off. I'm, I'm not on social media, so I couldn't do a little uh, paragraph, paragraph or whatever. <laughs> I love that. I love that. That was my favorite part of the... No, my favorite part was when he said, uh, and thanks to all the restaurant for oh, that yeah. Kawhi and Dine. Kawhi and Dine, I definitely took advantage of that. So that was actually a great moment, man. I loved it. Uh, I loved it. And it's really good, like I said, to see Kawhi actually show emotion, yeah. show actual personality. For, some, for someone who you think is a stone is a stone figure... To have actually looked like he was actually happy for where he was. Exactly. For being on a team he actually wanted to be on with a guy he wanted to play with. And it goes to, you know, for all the people that are upset for Kawhi for leaving. I mean, just look at that press concert. You can tell the man was just happy to be yeah. home. Right? He's glad to be home. And I don't think it's anything wrong with that. I think really How about that shout out to the doctors, though, for delivering yeah, his kid? Yeah. Well, you know, the, when you when you finally get to be happy, you, that's when you start really, really focusing on the things that matter. Right. And I mean, Toronto, I have to understand that, look, they wanted him to stay. He came. He brought something magical to the city, something that they'll never be able to take away. Yeah. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's, it's like he said, it's about his happiness. It's about his family's yeah. happiness yeah. and his future. And to put himself in a position where after winning the NBA final, being the most sought after free agent. Listen, I think it's only right that he did what he felt was best for him. So I'm I'm really all happy for him. And look at Paul George. What'd you make of Paul George and some of the comments you made? Honestly, I didn't catch what, much of what Paul George uh, Paul George said. Um, I only caught what Kawhi said, and then I had to I had to leave from the. You got your priorities straight, eh? Yeah, I had the priorities <laughs> straight. I, I listen to. Uh, yeah, listen, I, I, I say that, but I love PG's shoes. I wear them for yeah. for volleyball all the time. By the way, one of the best basketball shoes out there. Oh hell yeah, no doubt. Him and Kyrie got to give it to him. But uh, but going back on the press conference, second to Kobe, fair enough. But current current place. But the, <laughs> going back on the press conference, though, um, you know Paul George, uh, you know I think I think really the big question, and he was asked this by Rachel from ESPN after him and uh, him and Kawhi was interviewed just last year. He stood on this stage and said he's coming back for four years, signed for four years with OKC, and the following year he leaves. Right, but I think he he he's right. They find themselves being at a stagnant point where it just didn't look like they had enough to persevere to make it to the next level. Yeah. So I thought I think it's only right, and I also think Sam Presti, uh, the GM of the Oklahoma City Thunder, did the right thing. I how, how much do you think uh, the GM for the OKC for OKC got under the table for that though? For that I'm gonna be honest though. with you. I don't think he got nothing because look at it this way: Have you have you ever get that many assets from one trade? Never. No. This I... is this is the most. I don't want to say lopsided because at the end of the day, one got an elite scorer and an elite defender, uh, 13 MVP voting you in end Paul up George. Two, the two best two-way players in the NBA exactly. on one team. And that's exactly what their what their executive Lawrence Lawrence Frank said when as he was introducing the both of them. Uh and then looking at OKC, they got what five picks? Like how many picks and yeah. two players, two really good players. Yeah. Cause yeah. Shea Gildress Alexander. 
is primed to be a decent point guard in this league. Yes. Danilo Gallinari, I've always felt, is underrated. Listen, he doesn't have the speed, but this guy can certainly play basketball. Mm-hmm. Like So there's no doubt there. So to me, I think it's a fair trade. Um, now it's just a question of what's next for OKC. But circling back to the Clippers, um, it was a... You know, I don't know if I'm reading too much into this, but I actually watched the whole press conference in its entirety. Mm-hmm. And I can't help to think maybe Jerry West had a point. Jerry West made a statement, I think it was last week or during the weekend, that Clippers is the best organization he's ever been around. This is a man who is the architect of the Lake, of the, of, of the Lakers, uh, bringing Kobe Bryant and, and Shaq in. He's the architect of OK. He's of, the architect uh, of the Oklahoma City Thunder uh, dynasty. And now, so after going to two sorry, great dynasties, sorry, what did we say? We said OKC. Oh, sorry, sorry yeah, yeah. Golden State, Our Golden apologies. State's uh, uh, dynasty. Yes. So you have a guy considered the greatest executive in the history of the game, saying that he believes the Clippers to be the best run organization in the NBA, and I think he has a point. That press mm. conference was well structured, very well organized. Uh, their presenter was was great, and then of course leading to Lawrence Frank, and then you heard Doc Rivers and Steve Ballmer. And by the way, Steve Ballmer. Not only the richest, but the hypest owner ever. Oh, do you hear that intro? Man, is it me? Would you not want to play for a guy like that? Oh my god, the, the just the hype he I, had. Let me see if I got some if I can find that audio for you, us. You'll find find it for us. But man, the the man was so hype, and I loved it. I loved it. And I can't help to think if you're in a room sitting with this guy like this after they hit you with this presentation and he tells you, you gotta come. We would love to have you. Woo! It's gonna be so like I probably would want to play. <laughs> all right, all right, I got the audio. I, I got right. the audio for us here. Here, so here, here this is Steve Ballmer as he's uh, introducing Kawhi and Paul George. I'm proud to be here in this rec center. I know, kids, we got you out of your routine today, <laughs> but I'm proud to be here with you. Uh, it's real honor to have a chance to be here and have us be so welcome in this place. Uh, it matters a lot to the Clippers what our world is like off the court and the contributions we get to make and the contributions our players get to make. But most of all, I'm pumped. <laughs> like, just that excitement, just that pure excitement. Like, that was 27 seconds of a two-minute, two-and-a-half-minute uh, uh, video. Right. And but you could really feel that feel energy. the energy. Right off the bat. I loved it. Uh, like but he, you know, he, would, he would be the pure, he would be the best WWE announcer. Oh, God. Like, could you imagine him just with a mic just falling down from the ceiling and it's like, just hype up the crowd? And he'd be in his element, too. Oh, hell yeah. But what's great is you're saying that not only does he want, well, is he excited about what the future holds, he's a guy that wants to win, and he's willing to put his money where his mouth is, right? But this, uh, with all the good news about the Clippers, leads me to the interview that, uh, well, not just the interview, Kawhi and Paul George were asked about two big questions that became a big topic yeah. in in, uh, in the free agency this last week or so. With Kawhi's decision oh, to join this the last Clippers. Week, what, do you mean? what do you mean this last week, the last three years? Well, yes, that's a, that's a fair point. But I think with Kawhi's decision, uh, decision to join the Clippers has brought in a lot of question. There's been reports out. That supposedly his uncle, Uncle Dennis, who uh, who's his uh, who's his who's his manager. There are reports saying that he might have requested some extra things during his nego- these uh, Kawhi's free agency negotiations. We're talking he requested for guaranteed sponsorship deals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he requested for uh, for a private jet. So this led people to question the whole tempering aspect and kind of going against this whole player empowerment that we've been seeing in this free agency. Um, so before I say this, what I wanted to say is about the tempering. What is very interesting is with the whole battle of LA, let's not forget just last year, Magic Johnson was fine for tempering for comments that he made about Paul George. Oh, and that's not, don't, don't forget Steve Ballmer getting fined last year for comments he made about Kawhi Leonard. Oh, and don't forget Doc Rivers getting fined just a couple months ago for comments that he made about Kawhi Leonard, right? So it's really interesting that the two guys who now find themselves on the Clippers all pretty much were in a sense involved with tempering, uh, and I, we yeah. can't say allegation because they were tempering accusations towards the two big franchises in LA. Here's the thing I have with the tampering aspect of things. Players talk. Players talk to each other. In today's day and age especially. In today's day and age especially. Like it's, it, we don't have the, the same kind of mentality that 
back in the early 2000s, Toronto versus Ottawa NHL rival, the Battle of Ontario. Yep. Where you're not talking to that team. That's right. Like That's they're, right. they're all friends. They're all friends off the off the ice, off the pitch, off the court, off the field. We see opponents. We see opponents go to dinner with with each other after a game. Sometimes right. even before a game, right? So it's really it's really Going a different to, era to, 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 to their friend's house because they're like. But but just to circle back to the topic at hand, I mean, of course, when we're talking tempering, they're looking at the. We're looking at the. It's usually looking at the organization, the the coaches, the mm-hmm. GMs in question, tempering. How in much? order to acquire a, an asset. But what is interesting is now the story is being flipped. Although as to say, okay, are these organizations tempering by doing things that they shouldn't do as far as, like I mentioned, guaranteeing sponsorship, deals, yeah. giving access to a private jet, which is not now, part of the CBA. Where the, the NBA is coming into is in a very gray area that the NCAA finds themselves in as well. I'm d- I can make the comparison very, 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 very closely to the NCAA with uh, with how much tampering and everything comes into into things. And the NCAA right now is in a major investigation with the FBI yep. because because of this, right? They're deeming themselves as um, amateur sports, and they're they're giving incentives to these athletes to sign scholarships with the schools, extra incentives outside of scholarship. Now in the NBA, it's the same thing. You're giving extra incentives outside of the CBA's contractual agreements. That's right. For those players to come in, and not only that, but they're getting the big name. You, they're probably getting the big name stars to talk to other big name stars That's to come right. in, or those big name stars, like for example, Kawhi saying, "Okay, I will sign with the with the Raptors if you You're get able Paul to George." Get Paul George. But I don't think there's any problem with that. I mean, I don't think there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that with that at all. Like players should be able to request other for, especially if you're a big name athlete and you're a franchise player. Say, hey, look, if you're able to get them in, we're going to be a better team. Yeah, exactly. exactly. But but making it an ultimatum, I'm Uh, sorry, that that's a little bit going too far. But I think it goes to the whole player empowerment, right? So I think what is really interesting is. I was listening to my man Jalen Rose talking about this. As you talk about the CBA, the contractual agreement, you know, outlined by the CBA, what happens is the owners agreed and signed to the uh, signed the CBA, thinking that they held all the leverage. And now, as these players, these agents especially, are getting more educated on the whole process. Oh, please! And not the only player, that- the player, the players had full. The players won that CBA. A hundred percent, but you got to look at it this way. When you way. got a guy like Paul George that's making senior money, yeah, like has a there's a Paul there's a, not a Paul George, sorry, a Chris Paul. Yeah, there's a Chris Paul clause in that CBA where oh, you mean Chris ten, Paul who was uh, was president of the Players Association? The, ten, I mean, the tenure, the tenure contract. That's right, but you know, it's it's one of these things where. You know, the owner's got to make a sacrifice because at the end of the day, you have no business if, the, if you don't have a player. No. So if you want to stay in lo- if you want to stay in a lockdown for, for, for two years, a lockout for two years, you're losing money. Yeah. Right. We just look at the operating uh, income that are some of those franchises. Well, look at the NHL. There's not a single team in the NHL that's uh, that's all that's, that's on, in the top 50. Right. That's going to be and for how a while. Many, how many lockouts have they gone in the last 10 years, in the last 20 years? They've gone on three lockouts in the last twenty years. Exactly since Batman since Batman took over. Hey, uh, there's a little correlation there. Uh, you know, one thing though, the NBA appears to be launching an investigation into this whole tempering. Because yep. as much as I think we both, me and you, agree, the whole player empowerment and the fact that they're finding uh, ways within the CBA to pretty much maneuver their way out of uh, out of a franchise, requesting trade deals, whatever it is. I think there is a fair point that the NBA has done a great job showing tra- transparency, uh, transparency and everything they've done. So mm-hmm. I think they do owe it to the fans, owe it to the media to really investigate this 100%. and really get to the bottom 100%. of it. 100%. Now, I've been saying this for back when I was working at Nike. I told this to, to a lot of my uh, my colleagues, and I'm, st- I'm sticking to it. The way the CBA is written in the NBA, mark my words, 2021, there won't be a single game of basketball played. Why is that? There's going to be a lockout. I, I got a feeling the, owner, the owners are going to fight back Thank against you. the CBA and the players knowing that they have all the, the sorry not the players the agents of the players 
knowing how much power, power that they, they actually have, have, they are not going to budge. They are not going to budge from the CBA. I completely agree Hence with you. That's why I say you know not what? a single basketball is going to be dribbled in 2021. I disagree with you because the one thing you got to realize is the same point that we were just making. We were talking about the Forbes list. And just like we talked about last week is the power that these players have is now bigger than some of these franchises. I mean, look at a guy like LeBron James. I don't think it's far of a stretch to say LeBron has as much power as a Lakers organization. And mm-hmm. that is real. And I think the truth is it goes back to the point that I just made. At the end of the day, it's about the bottom line. And if these owners want to make money, you can go on a lockout for a year. But if you really believe a player like Russell Westbrook, who's still finna make about $40, $42 million next mm-hmm. year, is really gonna is really gonna come back and play for less money, they are crazy. The NBA is heading towards paying their players $50 million per year and more. And I think they will continue to go that way. And I believe they got a new president uh, for the Players Association, uh, who used to be a lawyer, uh, an amazing woman who is on top of her game. I expect her to do her job. And I don't want to say steamroll these owners, but she's going to get their ways and the the players are going to continue winning. And I think this is why the NBA is continue to increase their, their reach globally is because the players have bought into the system. That's the, the thing. Because and the thing is, the owners have to buy into that CBA. They have to buy into what the future of the NBA will look like. Because when I see a guy like LeBron James, who they said was was uh, was responsible for $450 million of yeah. Cleveland's economy. And that's fair. You have to. Just to shoot deals on, on, uh, on their own. It's ridiculous. ridiculous. But before we get side topic, I want to touch quickly. Steve Kerr made comments saying that it's a real problem. Uh, Getting away from the tempering, well, still kind of in a sense, but Steve Kerr made the comment saying that it was a real problem for uh, the players like Anthony Davis requesting out of a trade. And just to say what uh, some of the things he says, when you sign a contract on a dotted line, you owe your effort and your play to that team, to that city. To the fans. And then he added, and then it's completely your right to leave as a free agent. But if you sign the contract, then you should be bound to that contract. I do believe he has a point. I agree. I do believe he I certainly agree. has a fair point here. I agree. But the fact remains, we keep a lot of media members paint this back picture on Anthony Davis when the truth is Anthony Davis did right by the franchise. He could have kept his mouth shut. He could have write it out in the next two years and left them for nothing. Yeah. But he said, you know what? I'm just letting you know that I do not intend to resign with you. Because you know what? See, Even if, after he said that, he still came up to play. He still gave I 100%. Agree. I completely they chose not you. to play him. I completely agree with you on that there when it comes when it comes down to that. like I agree on both senses. Just be, like, like I've gone off with Strowman with all the bad-mouthing he's been doing about the Blue Jays. Yeah. You sign that con- that contract. You have that name on the dotted line. You're supposed to show up and be respectful to your employer. That's true. Yeah, to a certain point, I agree. To a certain point. And I agree with what Anthony Davis did. That right. he, he's got he two, never he said he wasn't going to play. Years. He had two full years. And he's giving him two-year head start to say, listen, this is where I'm going to sign. You could trade and put yourself in a better position. It's like doing a two-week notice. It's 100%. I love that analogy. It's a two weeks notice. <laughs> two year notice. Two year it's notice. It's really what it Anyways, is. Anyways, um, so we're, we're, we're so, getting to the, to the end here. So um, we're getting to the end here. Uh, I want to touch base on your on your debate uh, very quickly and then end on a, kind of a sad but hopefully a lesson learned notes. So my debate that I want to ask you, because we touched base on the, on the CFL last week um, and how you think that it's not a true league. Um, Amateur sports is what I said, if I believe. But um, my, 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 my question to you is um, because the Ottawa Fury are in the ca- the Canadian Premier Cup right now. Yep, yep. Right? Um, and they're going up against Toronto FC in the semifinals. Yes, yes. And I did see For that. the third year in a row. What are your views on uh, on the U- USHL, uh, USHL or whatever they're calling the, the league that the, the Fury yep. are in? Um, MLS and and those those leagues and the new Canadian Premier League that's over, that's that's starting um, versus like versus the big league the big three leagues in Europe. So, so I'm sorry to put it that way, but it's just like you said, USHL or whatever name they're calling it. <laughs> I'm sorry to put it that way, but really, it's what it is. Now, one thing I'll say, you know, it's interesting. I feel bad saying this because I actually have a childhood friend of mine who plays for the Fury, yeah. who plays for Ottawa Fury. But the truth is, I look at it, 
the same way I look at CFL. It really is amateurish. I mean, no disrespect to even the MLS. But when we see these stars come out and play, when we see a Beckham that nobody in Europe would give a deal to come to the MLS, I mean, no disrespect to David yeah. Beckham. He's a legend in his own right. But the truth is, he only came down for his star power. Uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Oh, please, please, he came down because his wife lives in Hollywood, and he wanted to be he wanted to be in Hollywood with his wife. And also because they're paying him what forty million a year. Yeah, Zlatan Ibrahimovic <laughs> can still play. Yeah, but he came down here for the money, and he loves the fame. He just loves the spotlight, yeah. right? Uh, so it's no disrespect. Congrats to the Fury. Fury continues to stay competitive. Uh, however, I feel, I feel like they're going to be in the in the MLS very very shortly. Um, Within the next two years, they're probably going to have a team that will compete. That will be able to compete that's in the MLS. Possible. I just don't, uh, listen. I don't know what their operating income is, and I think that might be the only thing that may be stopping them from that. Uh, however, it's it's very much a possibility. But looking at these teams compared to look, I'm sorry, I'm a soccer fan myself. Mm-hmm. I look at the international sports. My team is Barcelona. There's levels to this. Yeah, and you know what? I always, I sometimes really question myself. Could these teams compete with NCAA teams? I think it'd be a competitive match. You look at a team like Fury. You look at a team like uh, the Edmonton. I'm sorry, I don't know their name. I believe it would be a competitive match if we put them up against if we put them up against some uh, some of the NCAA teams. Oh yeah, like the top the top ten uh, NCAA teams versus the top ten uh, North American teams. Definitely right. Um, and you've also and and when you talk about amateur sports, you do, you also talk about like the MLS that used to have a shootout where they went from half from half pitch, a <laughs> la uh, NHL style. Yeah. Um, but luckily changed that very quickly. Yeah, because let's be honest, because that was that was a gimmick and a half. And exactly, that did not work. and that's what I was gonna say. It exactly came to the point where it's like, what else can we do to really get fans to watch the sport? Uh, but yeah, this this is really how I feel about it, and it's not to take away anything from these guys. I know some some guys that really spent their whole life working on their soccer skill, owning their soccer skills, playing overseas, and for them to get an opportunity to play the sport they love, all, all respect to them. Same goes for the CFL. But I'm sorry if you tell me a guy scored the most goals playing in the Ottawa Fury more than any player in soccer history, no. you're not getting no credit from me. You're not getting. <laughs> they're not getting credit from me either because like I yeah, said, you want to give the CFL. Fi- Kicker credit for come on, come on! It's pro like I'm. I'm sorry. We're, we don't have time to go into this debate again. We both said our pieces last week. <laughs> you know what, guys? I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm putting up. I'm putting it up to your listeners because your listeners are probably a lot of football players, a lot of football fans, uh, probably more so than my than my listeners. So I'm putting it out there for your listeners, and you can even put this poll on Twitter too. All right. Yes or no? Is that is that record? With Lewis Ward, CF, uh, the pro football record for most consecutive uh, field goals made. And he still has a record even though they only scored one point last week. Wow. Because he did not actually have a field goal attempt. Guys, they scored one point, a professional football team. Or so he says professional scored one point in the game. But anyways, Uno. He, he, he's got another made field goal today. Um, but again... I'm putting this up to your listeners. Is this a val? Is this a valid record? Pro football record that should be recognized in both NFL and CFL as the record holder for regardless, pro football. For pro football, and you know what? We're not going to dive on it too much. But if you guys want more context, listen to my podcast from last <laughs> week on Six One Three Sports with a zero for an O and a Z at the end. Yeah. Very nice plug there. I like that very much. Uh, I mean, we're not going to dwell on that too much. But all this to say, on my podcast, Lex Up Sports, we talk about professional sports. <laughs> but uh, before I let you go, I just wanted just a quick note for my listeners. I know I mentioned it on my episode this morning. I just wanted to really uh, kind of say my piece. Rest in peace to Maxime Dadachev. Mm-hmm. Not sure if you heard, heard the heard, boxer heard who passed away from his injuries from a, from his boxing fight this weekend. Yeah, that's just terrible. And if you look at, man, I don't know if you saw the video. There's video of his coach in his corner pretty much pleading with him, saying, I have to call this fight. I got You got to yeah. stop. I can't let you go back in. And it was really a sad moment just watching him really pleading with his fighter to really quit. We, really, we, we go back to our, to our athletes in, in sports and just – I get it. It just, it really, it, it just hurts. It just hurts to know that, you know, this guy cared a lot more about his fighter. And he said it. He says, look, I, I'd prefer to stop it than for him not to be able to talk to me. 
right? And it's it's two more kicks for Lewis Ward, by the way. By the way, my listeners got no idea what you're talking about, but please feel free to keep us updated. <laughs> but but honestly, it's 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 just it's just really sad thing, and I really hope this just opens up a lot of defense. Mainly, some of my listeners, I know some of them are UFC fans. Yeah. I say this all the time, man. When people are arguing, saying, oh, this was an early stoppage. Oh, the ref was out of line for stopping it. Listen, no, no. the referee's got a hard job. Listen, in a matter of a half a second, a guy can get his head knocked off. And he has to run from one side of the ring, one side of the octagon to stop the fight. And honestly, I would prefer they stop the fight early every time than to let 100%. it get to let, get let it to get a to point. a point where three days later, yeah. An athlete dies from his injuries. Right. That's traumatizing. I can only imagine if there's kids that was watching this, whether it pushes them to want to fight more or pushes them away from the sport. Uh, it's it's really a sad thing to see. But I give all respect to that finder, uh, to that uh, to the coach, uh, Hall of Fame coach. Uh, all is right. And I love that he stood, he made his point mm-hmm. saying, look, I know you're a fighter, but listen, I need to call this fight. Yeah. And what was interesting is what was sad is you saw him. He was even pleading with the doctor, telling the doctor, yeah, we no. should stop this. But uh, guys, real the, quick before we, we the, go to the outro, um, I was mistaken. The Clippers are on the top 50 list or 44th? You're 44th. Hey, and a lot of it I'm sure has to do with the acquisition of the team by Steve Ballmer. And like we talked about, we can only expect that that number to, to only rise. And I wouldn't be surprised if they find themselves closer to the top 30 over the next five years. Of course, if they do meet expectations, yeah. that is. But whether they do or not, the media, for instance, that's going to be in LA covering oh, the Clippers. And the Lakers. Happen. Like, the, both of them getting exposed. Anyways, guys. Um, we Justin, should... just want to thank you again for coming by, my man. Uh, guys, you can expect this on a weekly basis. We might alternate where, where, when I, when, when, of course, if he chooses to invite me on his podcast. But as always, you're more than welcome. Thank you again for coming. Let Thanks them know where they guys. can. Let them know where they can. You find guys her. can listen to me on uh, Spotify. I'm on Google Podcasts and and Apple iTunes. Um, my podcast is Six One Three Sports with a zero for an O and is that at the end. Um, so definitely give me a listen. Um, I do a day. I try and do a daily uh, morning show as well called uh, The Driving from Vanier, uh, where I touch on three to four topics uh, from the night before kind of thing. Uh, yeah. Put in a little bit of uh, my pizzazz into it as well. Um, for And it's definitely, definitely not safe for work. <laughs> and one thing I'll tell you guys, um, you know, uh, Justin really knows his baseball, really knows his, uh, his hockey. So if that's your thing, please uh, tune in, listen to his podcast. You'll get some great updates there, some great take from him. Uh, and as for me, as always, the Twitter is at war underscore I. You guys know where to find me. I'll be putting uh, Justin's uh, Twitter as well as his podcast link on my episode on the description. Feel free to check it out. Thanks again for tuning in. Appreciate it. Hope you guys enjoy the rest of your day. Later, guys. Deuces.